Witchy and Weird Podcast. Hey, 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 everyone. I'm really excited because today we are doing one of our first occult deep dive episodes. So I think I talked about it a little bit in our first episode that I'm going to be mixing together my love of... Oh, Jesus. Sorry, my phone just fell. (laughs) Mixing together my love of the occult and spooky stuff and spiritual stuff and like my psychic and all that other energy healing stuff. So today we are going to be talking about topomancy and manifestation. So the way I envision the occult deep dive episodes going from here on out is I'm going to be bringing up an occult or spooky uh, topic or idea or thing and kind of like tying it into modern day practices. So that's why we have topomancy and manifestation because manifestation is a modern day practice that a lot of people do. So I kind of wanted to talk about something that is like very similar to manifestation and how we can learn from it and maybe employ some of its... um, ideas in our current manifestation. So what is topomancy? That requires me to define just the base word topa, which you might have heard. So that is actually um, from a, it's from the Tibetan Book of the Dead. It's a Tibetan um, word and the Tibetan monks actually um, use it. So for them, it means thought forms or manifestation. And they would traditionally use it for, in their med- in their meditation, uh, a tulpa, they would create like a vessel in a way um, through meditation, through spiritual or mental powers um, for possibly like deities to inhabit in the real world. And so this idea came to the Western uh, world, meaning America, in the early 1900s via theosophists who were translating the Tibetan Book of the Dead. So theosophists, that's like a group or like of people. uh, It's like a weird like religion. It's not super like it's not like Christianity or Judaism type religion, but it was created in the early 1900s by... um, Madame Helena Blavatsky, which we may or may not talk about because she's like a very big like spiritual occultist person. Um, And basically theosophy is like they would take different pieces of different um, cultures and religions, much like cultural appropriation, (laughs) and they would mix them together, but more so in the guise of like spiritual and occult beliefs. So that's why they were translating the Tibetan Book of the Dead, because they wanted to learn about like the Tibetan beliefs around these things. Um, And so the way that they, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, like defined um, through these white people, theosophists perspective, I will add, um, the thought forms, there was like three different kinds. So the first one is um, when, when it's a form that takes the shape of the person who creates it. So like I imagine myself as like my 
my best self or my worst self, right? Um, the second one is a form that resembles objects or people that can become ensouled by nature spirits or by the dead. So that's kind of like what I was talking about in the beginning where like a deity can jump inside of an object or a person and it's like you create this visual visual of a person that's like nobody that already exists. Um, and it's interesting, like the dead. So like maybe like spirits can come back to life like that. We've seen probably like movies around that. Um, and then the last form is just a form that represents qualities from the astral or mental plane, such as emotions. So this could be <laughs> what's coming to mind for me is like the movie, um, the Pixar movie with like all the emotions and it's like sadness, anger, joy. So that can, those are like the three um, thought forms that those people were writing about in like the early 1900s. And then they started to like, I don't know, like talk about it, think about it more. So there's other theories on the how thought forms are created. So the one that I was talking about earlier is through spiritual or mental powers. So like you focus with your spiritual abilities, either in meditation or in some other way, you focus heavily on this thing to give it energy so that it can manifest. The other way that some people, some of these like occultists thought was, um, simply from people having thoughts and the more they thought about something then it would float around in their aura and um kind of like come forth as a form of like astral projection that only like spiritually awakened people can see because like not everyone can see auras so maybe you would see that entity or energy floating around a person if you if you were able to see energy or auras um and that so to, I know like some of these topics and words might be a lot. So astral projection, let's go over what astral projection is. Um, I think it's very closely related to this topic in a way too. So I think it's good to provide some background. I feel like I'll probably do an episode on astral projection. So I'm not going to go too, too in depth with this topic, but astral projection um basically is like a psychic ability where you can project your spirit or your consciousness into other planes or dimensions. So this idea, if I guess like the most common one that I've heard of that could describe this is like that there's multiple realities all existing at the same time and we can tap into them. Like a lot of people astral project in their dreams. So they, they might seem like very real and it's like, Oh, it was me, but there was different. And this person was still alive or something else, you know, was true or not true um, versus what is actually true for them in this reality. So this, this um, theory kind of says that like in the astral planes these thoughts or beings or forms or objects are created by us thinking about them when we're astrally projecting and then the more we think about them and focus on them and give them energy then the stronger they get and then they can finally come into the reality that we're currently living in um which is very interesting and I'm going to talk a little bit more about this uh, as like an example of this a little later um, because there's one other like historical thing about topas that I wanted to talk about first before I start talking about like modern examples 
Um, so the most famous version of this, uh, I guess, like historically, that's been written about is from this French spiritualist called uh, her name was Alexandra David Neal. And in the 1930s, she traveled to Tibet for six months. Um, and it's funny, I was listening to um, different podcasts and reading up on this. And one of the podcasts is like, hmm, this sounds like that same old like trope that we've heard before where it's like a white woman goes to like an Asian or foreign country to find herself and comes back and like has all these like things that she's learned that are like far removed from the actual culture and the sacredness. So I just, I thought that was really funny and I wanted to mention that Um, because I did mention cultural appropriation already before around a lot of this stuff. So it is important to, to note that. Um, But I still find all this stuff really fascinating. So anyways, so Alexandra, she went to Tibet for six months and she studied with the monks there and she studied meditation and she learned about this idea of thought forms or topas. And so she was like, yeah, let me just like try this for myself, even though like these Tibetan monks like study their whole life. Um, the form of meditation and many other like deeper topics, she was like, yeah, six months, I got this. Like, I'm totally going to create a tulpa. And I think that her story is important to share because one, it's like the most documented one, but also like it really talks more about, like it can help me to talk to you more about how like the creation of tulpas works and how important um, certain aspects of it are and kind of like how dangerous some aspects of it are. Um, So anyways, she tried to create her own tulpa. She visualized this like jovial monk. And in meditation every day, she focused in her mind's eye every day, the monk. And so the way that you create a tulpa is by basically by doing this, like you focus a lot of your energy in your mind, your spiritual energy on visualizing, like viscerally visualizing every single detail as if it was real right in front of you. So she visualized this monk doing like everyday human things that a monk would do. And in her mind, she like even treated him as if he was real. So she would greet him certain ways, give him certain hospitalities and all this stuff. She just like kind of observed him slash visualized him um, during her meditation. And she kept doing this in the thought to like bring it into existence. And so eventually it became, um, it, it worked and she started to see the monk it and like it got, it, it was given a form, but like only she could see it. Right. So it wasn't in her mind's eye anymore. She could see it like standing next to her, but other people couldn't see it. And so this is kind of like, this is, I guess, like the best definition of like how a tulpa works. So basically like You focus, like I said, your thoughts and your energies on visualizing this thing over and over again, making it as real as possible um, with the intent that it will become real into the real world, like where we are, that people can see it, you can see it, um, it can interact with things. And the reason why it's dangerous is because what you're doing is essentially creating a sentient being or object or energy um, with your mind. So as we know with like many movies around like AI and becoming sentient, like there's always that danger that 
when you create it, you can maybe create these rules or create it with a certain personality or, or boundaries in mind. But once it's sentient, it can do whatever it wants. It can think for itself. It can have its own actions. It can grow and change even. And oftentimes, like, these tulpas, they will live on after their creator has passed away. So there is a lot of danger in this because you can't control something that is sentient. And if you're creating something, like most people are like, why do people create tulpas? And it's like, a lot of people, they're just like, well, people are bored and they want someone to like, (laughs) to be with them. Like, um, I guess like the example around like imaginary friends can sometimes be considered tulpas. Um, so that's pretty much how the topo works. And so this happened for her, like she started to see this monk, like in her reality, and then she eventually started to feel it like brush past her. And she was kind of getting scared around that because the whole thing, like what happens when it's sentient, I can't control what it does. Like, I just visualize this normal human and humans are capable of anything. So like, they didn't put, um, she didn't put in like, in place like oh it only does this or it's only made for this right so um the part that in her story that gets like pretty crazy is like I guess somebody came into her space and actually saw the tulpa and was like talking to it as if it was a real person just standing there and that really freaked her out and so she worked to dissolve the tulpa back into energy and I guess like put it back in the astral plane if that's where you believe tulpas come from. Um, but I think that story is like really interesting um, just to talk about like how tulpas work. And it's like just visualizing it so like, I keep saying viscerally, but I feel like that's like the best word um, that it becomes a reality. Now I mentioned before I was going to talk about um, the astral projection Um, And and like the current example of this, so now we're finally like coming full circle. So the most common um, modern example of this is Slenderman. And if you don't know who Slenderman is, um, I'm trying to describe, he might, he might be scary for some people. So Slenderman was like a really big thing when I was younger. He was like a huge like YouTube thing or like Reddit thing. Um, Basically what he looks like is a very, very tall and slender man with no face. And he wears like a tuxedo or like, um, like some kind of suit. I think it's like a pinstripe suit or something like he kind of looks like Jack Skellington, but like more scary because he just has like a plain blank white face. Um, and so this like Slenderman, in my opinion, is like the most famous example, modern day example of a Tulpa because like he was probably created by some kid who was really scared, right? Like we all have like, oh, there's a weird thing in my room or a monster in my room, all that kind of stuff going on. And then we keep seeing it or it scares us. We think it moved and stuff like that. So I really feel like that's like the the nature of how Slenderman took off because it the thing that makes Slenderman a little like special is that he became such a huge internet sensation. Like I think um, somebody had like shared about seeing Slenderman and then like people from all around the world were like, I've seen Slenderman. Like, I've seen him like outside my window, which is like a common thing that he does. I've seen him like 
outside uh like he like lives in or he like seen a lot in the forest um and all these things so it kind of turns into like that um mandala effect thing um i think it's mandela effect i don't i don't know if it's mandala or mandela so excuse me if i mispronounce it but that's basically the effect of like how collectively people misremember facts and oh yeah it is mandela because it was with nelson mandela um and so it's like there's certain things like you may have seen those memes where it's like the Bernstein Bears one and it's like is it the and and people remember it all one way but when you look at the real like book it's actually completely different so it's like collectively as a consciousness we have all decided that this way is the truth even though in reality the facts of what actually happened is not the truth and so that's kind of like what Slenderman reminds me of is like all these kids were scared by this thing. Um, And they didn't know each other. And then they found out like, wow, I've been seeing this. And so the reason why I feel like it's a tulpa is because of that, because of the amount of people that were visualizing him and being so scared by him um, that that created a lot of energy. And like people were drawing, like if you Google, there's like all these photos of kids and people who drew what he looked like. And then people started making like YouTube videos of what he looked like, um, like animations and things, or like it was like a creepy pasta story thing. Um, I'm using like a lot of <laughs> pop culture references and things in here. So creepy pasta is um, sort of like a Reddit thing where like people would tell like scary stories, but as if they were real and they would be like sort of like supernatural in a way. Um, and like people would just create, write them and like read them to scare themselves. So he became like a very popular, like creepy pasta thing. And yeah. And so it seems like, okay, yeah. So whatever people were just scared of him. Like he's like, like a horror movie, right? Like whatever people like believe in like Michael Myers and they're scared of him, but there's no actual Michael Myers like walking around. But the thing with Slenderman that makes him like actually a tulpa is like, it grew to the point where these there's like a famous case and you can Google it if you want more information. I'm not going to go super deep into it. But these two girls, they uh, they killed their friend because of Slenderman. Like they literally like went with the police and all that stuff. Like they said like it was because of Slenderman. So that's how real he became. And then there's even part of this like theory, which makes him a little bit more than a tulpa that like, once you're aware of him and he comes into your consciousness then he becomes aware of you so it became the thing where like either you've already seen him and you're like no way i've seen that guy or when you find out about slender man from the internet or youtube then you're like wait now i'm starting to like see slender man everywhere and so it's kind of like that power of our um manifestation and our like spiritual power to harness energy in that way and Obviously, this is, like, the bad example of a topo, right? Because, it, like, he is scary. He is, like, he makes people kill or whatever. So, or he kills you, right? So, if he becomes sentient and he's able to, like, walk around, then that's dangerous. So, that's kind of, like my background history on tulpas there's plenty of other podcasts that go like very deep into tulpas and so like I talked about tulpa mancy in the beginning that's like the art of creating tulpas right and I don't really want to talk about that too much because I feel like that's not the point of like what I'm here for so it's like if you're interested you can 
you can search like that and look for other podcasts that talk about that. Um, But what I wanted to tie this in with was manifestation, because I think that there's a lot of similarities in the art of making a tulpa that we either already do or we can do in manifestation. And I also think there's a lot of like learning opportunities from tulpamancy that we can start applying to our manifestation practice to make it stronger. Um, And yeah, so I'm going to take a break. And then when I come back, we'll talk about manifestation. Okay, so I'm back. And I'm gonna be spending the rest of the time talking about manifestation, um, a little bit about how Tulpa Mansi relates to manifestation, but also like my tips and tricks for manifestation and my opinions, all that stuff. Um, So the thing that I really like about Tulpa Mansi is that I feel like in terms of manifestation, we often have a lot of pressure to manifest a thing, a object, a life, a feeling, whatever it is that we're working on manifesting. And so we often, because of this pressure, we're like, no, it can't be real. No, it's like, uh, like, I don't think I would be able to make this amount of money. I don't think I'd be able to achieve this goal, whatever it is. And with Tulpamancy, I feel like it kind of shows us that we have to already believe in this thing so deeply that it becomes real because with topomancy you're not you're creating something that doesn't exist like at all it's not real it doesn't exist and you're literally birthing it into existence and i feel like with manifestation we have a lot of limitations in our mind around manifesting because it's like real things that we may have like seen or not seen before. And so we have those limits of like, I don't think I can do this because only X, Y, and Z people I have seen do this. Um, Or I have like proof that last time when I tried this, it didn't work out. And I think with Tulpa Mansi, it's just like so ridiculous to think like I'm going to create a sentient being from my thoughts that maybe there's like less pressure um around that so you can just be like whatever I'm just gonna keep focusing and putting my hard work into this and if it happens it happens and if it doesn't it doesn't because there's not like a lot of like pressure or like risk and I think that that's a really um important thing that stood out to me when I was going over like the art of Tulpamancy um because for manifestation that's something that we need to have and like hold with us is like I know a lot of people talk about faith like have faith that it's gonna happen or like when you're manifesting like know that it's already yours it already belongs to you um whatever is for you will always be for you it will never pass you by like all of these like like um uh I guess like ideas around manifestation right and I think that with topomancy it's like I'm not worrying about any of that if it's meant for me if it's not meant for me if it's gonna happen if it's not gonna happen I'm just focusing on the thing and creating it and bringing it into reality and I think that that removes a lot of that 
it shows us like what needs to be removed from what is limiting us from manifesting like actual things in our reality. So I just want you to like ponder that when you're thinking about your next thing that you want to manifest, like what are those limiting beliefs or limitations and pressures that you're already putting on yourself when you're sitting down to think about what you want to manifest and like how can you remove them? Like how can you um, decrease them or alleviate them? Um, Because really the commonality between the two is the faith, right? Like I focus, well, and the hard work. Um, I focus so intently on this thing and I dedicate every, let's focus on the hard work first. So it's like this person, the Alexandra lady, she meditated every single day and focused her energies and thoughts on this one thing every single day. And it became a reality because she like so deeply envisioned it and interacted with it and felt it. And that's one form of manifestation practice that you can do is to visualize or write down, if you can't visualize in your mind's eye, um, what it is that you want. Um, And I think that that's like a common thing. I like to do that. It's like, if I want to manifest like a new apartment, I visualize when I was moving into this apartment that I was in, I kept visualizing what does my apartment look like? What does like my dream apartment look like for me? And how do I feel in it? And we'll talk more about like the manifestation stuff, like my tips and tricks like later, but let's just focus on like the, the hard work, meaning like visualizing or putting a lot of energy into it, being dedicated to it. So it's like, I kept visualizing it every time I was like searching for apartments or tapping in so that I kind of knew like what that feeling was like. And I knew that it was out there for me and I was creating that energy that it was out there for me because that's all this is, is energy manipulation. And to be honest, like, um, that's another like thing that I believe in. I think last episode I talked about like the meaning of life is to like discover yourself. And I've heard this other thing, I think it's from like Abraham Hicks that like the meaning of life is for us to remember how powerful we are. And that includes like that main thing is like that we are energy manipulators and we have to learn how to manipulate energy and not in a bad way of manipulation, but like how to work with it and change it and create things with it. And so that's really what like the visualization or writing it down and spending time like being dedicated to envisioning it over and over and over again so that it feels real that's basically what a tulpa is too so that is like one form of manifestation practice that you can do is to like they they kind of describe the metaphor that i like is like your by they i mean my spirit guides sorry <laughs> um it's like there, the idea that I talked about earlier of like there's multiple dimensions or multiple realities existing at the same time and we just are tapping into them at various different times and we're choosing which one we want to be on, whether we are conscious of it or not. And so by visualizing your reality that you want, your dream life, what you want to manifest, you're calling that version, like you're magnetizing it towards you. You're you're kind of like jumping timelines. That's where I feel like that's... Um, that saying of like timeline shifting, timeline jumping comes from is that you're in a sense like learning how to manipulate energy so that you can hack the system. Um, The system meaning capitalism and our current society that tells us we can't do these things when innately we can. And then you can just call it in quicker than you would if you were on this, oh, I need to 
work all these hours and slave away um, at work and and then I I can save up and scrimp and save every single piece of money and then I can finally afford the house that I want where it's like visualizing that coming to you and making it so so real every single time every single day that you tap in that it's it's real it becomes real and we don't and this is where the faith comes in we might not know how and I think that's what trips us up is like okay yeah I know that I want this and I can see it but I don't know how and I think that discourages us energetically from bringing that in and so if you're sticking with that visual of like this timeline like okay we'll use like a specific example this might be easier I want a house I want to buy a house like in this example so I keep visualizing what my house is what it what it looks like when it's furnished what I feel like in it what it looks like every day when I wake up in it go to bed every night like what my kitchen looks like when I'm cooking in it like all this stuff and then that house I see it like the visual for me the way I see it is like it's in a bubble And it's just being drawn like magnetically to me closer and closer and closer. The more I visualize and the more I'm working to manifest that. And then every time that I let my faith, my lack of faith or belief in myself or fear of the unknown get in the way, I'm like, yeah, I can totally see it. I know it's there for me, but I'm not really sure how. Oh, I'm not really sure when. Like maybe, maybe it's not meant for me. Like, And I'm not saying you'll never have those thoughts. I'm just trying to describe like how I view the process working. Um, Every time you do that, it kind of like pushes it farther out. And so then when you are focusing on bringing it in and your meditation and your manifestation practice, it brings it closer back in. So it's kind of like this cycle. I feel like that we go through until we're like bringing it towards us until it becomes like the bubble kind of like meshes with our bubble and that's our reality. Right. Um, And there's tons of different ways that you can manifest and tons of beliefs in it. So I'm kind of just like sharing my my point of view on this um, and how I kind of see it. And so with that, that's where like I feel faith is a huge thing that comes in. And it's like I said, it's described in so many different ways. Like it's already whatever I want to say, whatever one vibes with you. Like this is something that I'm really passionate about and I practice with my clients and and all my teachings that I do I'm I'm here as an authority figure as a leader like talking but I'm not here saying you have to believe everything that I say and you have to do everything that I say I definitely want you to pick and choose and tap into your intuition and feel what resonates with you and if it doesn't resonate with you then don't do it you know and that's why I'm talking about like different types of manifestation manifestation and different ways to manifest because one way doesn't work for everybody it's not a one-size-fits-all and and uh, we can see this in our astrology natal charts and in our human design charts like there's many different ways that we can look to see how we manifest best and if you're not into those or you don't use those or you've never heard of those like you can google them I'll probably do episodes on them maybe bring on people that would be really cool Um, but even through trial and error, if you try a certain manifestation method and it doesn't work for you, then don't do it. Like try find one that really vibes with you and your energy and, and your process. Um, even like culturally, like there's different like cultural practices, um, or spiritual religious practices for manifestation. And I think that you'll find the more you look at the different ones, there's a lot of similarities within them, which is why I'm bringing them up, but don't try it just because I said, if you can't, 
if visualization is not your thing, like, that's okay. Like, I did my human design reading, and they said, like, visualization is really important for me for manifestation, but more so, like, emotionally, because I am a uh, three-fifths manifesting generator with um, sacral authority. Like, I'm led by my emotions. So... I need to be like in the feels, like I need to feel how it, how it would be to be in that house. I need to feel that more than seeing it. And that's where the faith comes in. At least for me, like, I think that sometimes it's hard to feel it if I don't believe it. Right. If I'm like, yeah, I guess, but it's not real and it's not going to be real or whatever. So that faith piece, I think is very, very important. And, and like I was saying before I went on this tangent was however you need to get your faith, do it. Like there's no judgment. Like if you need to, if you vibe with like, it's always meant for me. So I'm never going to not have it. I just need to focus on bringing it in. Then that's cool. Like do that. Or it's going to come to me in the time that is meant for me. That is best for me. That's your faith. If your faith is actually like religious faith, like God is, is blessing me or God is bringing this to me, then that's your faith. You know, like if your faith is like, I went to a psychic and they said that this is something that I can have, like then do that, you know, like however you need to create your faith, like that is for you. And I do want to say that there are ways to build faith. Like when I first started this, I did not have a lot of faith. And, and I think it's like starting small with things that you can, I think for our, like, logically, our brains, we're programmed, like, all of this, we, we're basically like a computer, our brain, right? We learn things by example, by experience, um, and then it becomes programmed into our brain. I did this thing, and, and then I got hurt, therefore, I will not do it again. Like, that's a program that we learn, that's like a rule, um, in like coding programming, like that's what I went to school for. So it's like really funny. Um, and when, when our brain like sees over and over again, these programs and these rules, then it becomes hard for us to break them and to have the faith. So starting small and creating opportunities for you to manifest where you can show your brain and your body that it's safe and that it's, possible is really important in manifestation. So ways that you can do this. The easiest way is to surround yourself with people who have achieved things that maybe you thought were impossible in your experience and in your environment. So examples of this, um, reality TV, is a really easy example. Like a lot of people have been talking about like watching reality TV as a way to manifest because if you grew up very poor or in like lower middle class family where you didn't get to have every material item that you wanted or you weren't able to spend money on certain things, um, you never saw examples of people, real examples of people in your life. Then if you watch reality TV, that is a real example of somebody who has a shit ton of money and who has made it happen. And so you can start to see like this can be real. It's not just for that one person or two people that I heard about in the news. Like you can see the reality. Like it's literally like how I was talking about like viscerally visualizing your reality. Like you get to viscerally see their home. You get to see their lifestyle, their clothes, their budgets, right? 
And so you can use reality TV as a way to show yourself, like, it's okay to spend extravagant things on myself. It's okay to um, make a bunch of money or it's possible even to do these things because somebody out there does that. So that's like kind of like changing the disbelief in your programming in your mind. Um, Another way you can do that is to follow people on social media who have what you want to have or have done similar things to you and not in like a jealous way. Um, We want to make sure we're not falling into that pattern, but more so like I never saw maybe like somebody grew up in a like like very religious home. I never saw a woman be able or female bodied person be able to wear like scantily clad clothes and be empowered sexually and and all of that stuff. And so maybe you follow people who do that so that you can show yourself your brain. It's okay. This is a reality. This can be a thing that I've so deeply wanted to manifest like to to empower and embrace my sensual like inner slut energy in a in a positive way. So you can do that with so many things. Like I follow a lot of non-binary and trans people because I'm a non-binary person and in our society I didn't really get to see a lot of examples growing up of what that means and what that looks like. So I follow a bunch of really brilliant and beautiful non-binary people on my social media so that I can see examples of people authentically expressing themselves and that empowers me to do it and inspires me but it also helps me to manifest that right like oh this is totally a reality for them so I can do this so that's like something else that you can do to help like retrain your brain um and then like doing smaller things, like manifesting smaller things and celebrating your success is really key um, because you're in a, like we said, we're retraining our brain and our programming. So if I can manifest X amount of money, if I can manifest finishing this project by this time, if I can manifest like growing this thing, like it doesn't need to be really crazy. Like it can be something really small and just showing yourself that that's possible, that if you can keep faith for something really small and then see it come to fruition, then that's really cool. And also, if it doesn't happen, like, keep trying. So if you're just starting on something small, like, maybe you kill plants and you're like, I'm going to manifest my small thing is that I keep this plant alive and then you kill it. Like, don't get discouraged. Like, keep doing it because that's also going to show your yourself, like, for when bigger things come that you're not like, oh, well, I didn't get the first try. So I'm, it's obviously not meant for me. And it's like, no, if you decide that you really want this, then you will have it. You just have to keep the dedication and the faith. Okay. So that also leads into like the decision and the intention. That to me, those are like very similar things, um, at least in this example. But deciding is also really part of the faith. I felt like for me, that was a big piece that was missing where it was like, I want this, but I wasn't like deciding that I was going to have something and it was for me. And so that's where those beliefs are like, what is meant for me is meant for me. I already know that I already have it. It already belongs to me. I already deserve this. I'm just calling it into reality. Um, Deciding an intention is like a huge, huge piece of this. So I, when I was first manifesting stuff, I felt like very wishy-washy about stuff. Like I couldn't decide that it was for me because I was like scared that if I didn't get it, then I would be let down and I would be disappointed and, and my trauma would flare up around 
um, like abandonment and things like that. And so I never decided, like I never stood in my power. That's what I feel like the intention and the decision is, is like harnessing your power around things, um, especially for manifestation. And I'll do other episodes definitely about decisions and intentions, but um, this is like the short version of like, your power comes in your decision and your intention. And so we saw that that Alexandra lady, like she decided that she was going to create a tulpa in six months. And she did, even though monks spend their whole life practicing these like really in, intricate and amazing sacred arts, right? So that was like part of her power. She harnessed her power. I just decided that I'm going to do it. And I'm going to fucking try it, even though I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, And the intention, like, she intended to create this monk and she made her intention very clear about what she wanted to do and why she wanted to do it. And she did it. And so I think that that's something we learn is to give away our power a lot. Like it's not meant for me. Like I think that a lot of religions, they give away our power. Like it's only if God wants me to have this. And I mean, like my counter argument to that is then why did God give you intention and decisions? <laughs> like, why did he give you free thinking? Right. Like, so um, I think that using and harnessing your intention and your decision making power is really important. So not only, Oh, if it's meant for me, it's meant for me, but also like I've decided that I want this. So now it's meant for me. Like that's part of where the power comes from. Like, I think that if, you were stuck in that first example of what I was saying, then try and shift it to like, it's meant for me because I decided it's meant for me. I'm going to get this thing because my intention is that I'm going to get this thing. So really try and step into that space um, when you're manifesting. And now I think for the last part, I'm just going to talk about like my personal manifestation tips. And I feel like we might do another manifestation episode this was more so about like the idea the bigger ideas around manifestation which I think are very important um but maybe I'll do another one around like the different ways you can manifest more um but I'll just talk about some few tips for like the last few minutes um ones that have been coming up for me more recently are I've actually been hearing this a lot from my guides um the like repetition of your vision that we were talking about a lot of people use that in the form of affirmations they write it down they put it as their phone screen background they repeat it to themselves every day I think that those are really they can only get us so far for a lot of things but I think those are really powerful for manifestations um, when used this way that came to me from my guides if you repeat like let's say um we'll use the example I want to make a thousand dollars um, if you keep repeating that to yourself to remind yourself and and to like say to like bring that closer into your reality, I would say that when you're saying it, have the intention, number one, if you're not saying it out loud, that is a tip, I will say, because that kind of shows you where you're scared and where you're like not believing fully. For me, I would always say stuff in my head and then I heard from my guides like, if you're going to be about it, if you're going to do it, like, you can't be afraid to say it out loud. You need to, like, proclaim it to the universe, right? So that's one tip that I will say. Like, if you are saying these things in your head over and over and over, like, 
find a time to say them out loud. Maybe even fucking like yell them out your window or out your car when you're driving. Like something, like you need to say it out loud. And I will say this, the the practice that I was brought by my guides was like, I started saying the thing over and over and over again out loud while I was in the car. And I felt in my body where I was holding on to this disbelief around it. Like this example, it's not the same thing that I was saying, but like the example of the thousand dollars. If in my head, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to make a thousand dollars. I'm going to make a thousand dollars. I'm going to make a thousand dollars. That means I'm like a little bit scared to say it out loud. So I say it out loud and I kept saying it like, I'm going to make a thousand dollars. I'm going to make a thousand dollars out loud. And at first it feels like wrong. It feels like it's not actually going to happen. And I think that's part of like, when you say it out loud, it really puts like the power into it. Cause like they always say like your words are spells, your thoughts are spells. Everything you do is a spell because everything we do here is energy manipulation, right? It ties back to (laughs) my point. Um, uh, That's another tip, right? So it's like, we'll talk about that right after um, before I get off topic. Um, So saying it out loud really revealed for me like where I was scared, where I was feeling the fear in my body. And then I was able to ask myself, like, why does this not feel true in my body right here? Why do I feel like a sharp pain, a tightness of like my, my heart is speeding up when I'm saying this. And that allowed me to pinpoint like where my disbelief was around this thing that I wanted to manifest. So that's a tip and like sort of like a practice that you can try. Um, The words are spells thing. That is like uh, if any of you have like read The Secret or watched The Secret, you can. There's some parts of that that I agree with and some parts that I don't. Um, But the part that I do like is like the wording and the word choice of when you're manifesting things. Um, That belief ties back to the belief of what I was talking about earlier of like, this is meant for me. So it will already be, or it already is. Um, That type of talk for manifestation is really good. So instead of saying, I want to have a thousand dollars, you say, I already have a thousand dollars. I have made a thousand dollars. And they usually tell you to get as specific as possible, but that is also something that goes with the um, using your intuition. Some people work really well with specific manifestation and some people work really well with some more open-ended manifestation. I know from my human design reading, like I work better with more open-ended manifestation than specific manifestation. So if you feel like intuitively, specifically manifesting, so it'd be like, I made a thousand dollars by August 1st at 3.55 PM um, from my business or whatever it is, right? Like, then that's what works for you. Um, For me, it's more like I made $1,000 through blah, 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 or by this time or this or better, right? Like, I'm more like the non-specific where it's not a specific time, a specific date, a specific way. I need to keep it a little more open-ended because I work more with the feelings and emotions. So if I manifest and I were writing something down or saying words around that, I would say like, how it feels when I manifested the thousand dollars. I feel blah, 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 because I manifested a thousand dollars. So it's really like, it is in a non-sexy way. It's kind of like a math equation or like an essay formula. Like you have to find the right word choice. Um, That's how I see it as like grammar. It's like manifestation language, manifestation grammar. Like I low-key feel like I should teach like a course on this, but um yeah there there's like saying it 
in the present tense as if you've already had it. And if you don't feel like you're ready to that to get to that point, um, a lot of people say, I need this. Um, with manifestation, you have to shift from like need to want. I want this because need, I feel like it takes away your power. And that's what we were talking about with your intention and your decision is you're standing in your power when you're manifesting. So if you say, I want this, that's like your power. I, I choose this because I want it and nothing less or nothing more. Like you don't necessarily need to have like a reason besides that you want it. Like we've seen those rich people like buying all these jets just because they want to. Like, why can't you have something because you want to, right? And so the last two things I'm going to talk about before I go are um, not being tied to the outcome. Um, And I'll talk about the other thing after. But I feel like a lot of people get tied to the outcome. And that can also hinder you because when we're working on manifesting, we're working with the universe. And the universe and our guides and our cosmic team and whoever you believe in is for your is only going to give you what you're ready for when you're ready for it. And so I find that a lot of people who try and manifest with a specific outcome, which is why I said find which works for you, specific or non-specific, um, that can like cage you up in a box. And so what I'm talking about is like, if you're saying that you want to make more money and you're only thinking about making it from your current nine to five job, you're kind of limiting your avenues for abundance because you're only saying you want to make it in this one way. And maybe you can manifest more money in the form of winning like the lottery, winning a giveaway. Maybe somebody randomly gifts you something. Maybe you find money on the street. Um, Maybe somebody asks you to make you something and they pay you for it. Like maybe you start a business. Like, there's so many other ways to make money. Or maybe it's like, instead of like, what were you wanting that money for? Maybe you were trying to buy something really expensive and maybe there's a sale. Maybe you get a coupon. Maybe like some snafu happens and you get double order or you get it for free or whatever. So this idea of like being very, very tied to it happening exactly the way that it needs to happen is sometimes dangerous because then we're closing ourselves off from like our other opportunities for manifestation and abundance. Um, And instead of working with the flow of the universe and getting things as we're meant to get them, we are closing off and we're being stubborn and we're saying we only want it this one way. And that goes with the bigger topic that I was talking about of faith, right? Like you need to have faith that the universe is going to give you what you need when you need it and is not going to like screw you over because a lot of the time it may seem that um, when it first happens, oh, I hate this. I don't want this. This is scary. But then as it plans out, you're like, wow, this was actually pretty cool. Like I should have just trusted in the universe from the get go. So that is one of the things that I definitely want to mention. Um, and I lied. I think there's one other one that came up um, that they wanted me to talk about that goes with this is like, when you're manifesting you want to say like this or better or for my highest good like it's very similar to what I was saying about you need to have your formula and your proper word choice um because if you're 
being tied to a specific outcome, you might say, I only want it this way. But if you're being open, you would say, I'm open to this or better. And so it allows the universe to give you what you actually deserve or what you actually need in that moment. Because I think a lot of us think very small when we're manifesting. And if we say this or better, then we may have asked for something that is too small for us and that we actually need, we actually deserve something like a lot better. So then it gives the opportunity for the biggerness, the betterness to come into our life. Um, And for your highest good, I think that this ties in with my last point that I wanted to bring up is like, why are you manifesting this thing? Really uh, making sure that it is for your highest good. Because I think that a lot of us get caught up with manifesting stuff that maybe doesn't really matter because we're human it's okay it happens and then we get discouraged when it doesn't happen like it doesn't manifest because the universe is like that's not meant for you that's bad news baby like you did not need that and that's why you didn't get it but then you're like I never get what I want and it's like are you doing this for your highest good the example that pops into my head is like when people are like, I want to manifest my ex to come back to me, even though he like cheated on me and he's like with a new person or whatever. And it's like, do you really want to manifest that? Like maybe right now it seems like in the moment you were like, I really just miss this person or I'm vulnerable or I'm scared or whatever it is. But the universe is like, we're not going to give that to you because that's not for your highest good. So I really urge you to think about like what is for your highest good and to to make sure like what you're trying to manifest is not like something that isn't for I don't know like I keep saying highest good but it's like that's really how it feels to me right now is like I can't think of another word but it's like what are you manifesting and why are you trying to manifest it like making sure that like the really another common example is like, I, I, I want to manifest this new apartment because once I move there, then I'll be happy. You know, it's like, you can cultivate happiness. Like if the thing that you want is to be happy, then like manifest happiness. Like you don't need to lay all your eggs in one basket. And you, and this is, again, you're giving away your power. My, I'm not, basically you're telling the universe when you say that. When you say, I want to manifest a new apartment because once I'm in the new apartment, I'll be happy. You're telling the universe, I don't know how to create and cultivate my own happiness in any given moment, in any scenario, in any space, in any reality, whatever. And so I'm putting all of my power into a new physical space. And that is the only thing that can make me happy. And that is not for your highest good. Like it's not the best way to go about life, right? Like that's why I talked about those bigger principles of manifestation because I think that they're way more important than like the tips and the tricks. And the more you can get down the bigger things, the easier it will be to manifest. Because like if you're coming from that place of I want a new apartment because then it'll make me happy, like then think about why are you manifesting this? Because you want to be happy, then just manifest happiness. Like how can I manifest happiness right now? How can I bring happiness into my life right now? Are there other ways besides a new living situation that can bring me happiness right now? Um, And I know that there's still like very human things that can happen to us, like abuse or unsafe living situations and things like that. And I'm not trying to belittle those things. Like those definitely contribute directly to our happiness. 
But in the grand scheme of things, like in the larger way that you're looking at your life, like we don't want to give away our power in every single situation and say that this thing defines my happiness. This person defines my happiness. This scenario defines my happiness. That we want to try and manifest and cultivate like happiness in like for ourselves in any scenario. Um, And I think that like I use happiness and that can be interchanged with anything, right? Like love, self-worth, like abundance, prosperity, like there's so many ways to view it. And I think we get so bogged down in like, like I said, caging ourselves in, in that tunnel vision of like, it has to be one way, like um, prosperity. A lot of people think like prosperity and abundance is only money. And it's not like you can have an abundance of everything. You can be prosperous in so many other ways. And so that's why I wanted to talk about those last two points kind of together because I feel like they're really important too when we're manifesting is like to think about what we're manifesting it and why and how we're giving away our power and how we can like change that. Um, So hopefully all of that makes sense. I definitely feel like we can revisit manifestation, but I think that this was really fun to do the occult plus manifestations and I would love to know any feedback if you have any um you can email or dm me um all of our social media links are in the show notes and I will see you next time bye or talk to you next time I always get like I always say I'm um filming instead of recording so see you next time it's like I'm just gonna talk to you next time but bye anyways if you love witchy and weird podcasts support us by donating monthly for as little as 99 cents at anchor.fm slash witchy and weird slash support you can cancel at any time and 100 percent of the proceeds go directly to the pod or if you don't want to commit to a monthly donation buy amanda a coffee at ko-fi.com slash wishy and weird to help fuel them while they record edit create and upload content for the podcast and if you're feeling extra generous leave us a review on apple podcasts or spotify and tell your witchy and weird friends about us too bye